For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that the people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord. If you would bow with me. Father, we thank you for your word, for the privilege of studying it, for the different seasons, for the opportunities, for the work that we get to do, both for you and for others. We thank you, Lord, that you um, work with us and guide us and direct us. We pray that we would see and understand and live in awe of all that you've done. In Christ's name, amen. Are there things that inspire awe? In you, I mean, some of you may have been to some unique places or seen unique things, and they just kind of produce a sense of awe. One of the things we like to do as a family is travel, and when we travel, it's uh, we like to go to places and see something new or different. I mean, sometimes you go and you go somewhere familiar, but sometimes it is. You're going to somewhere new and you've never seen it before. Anna talked about the first time she went to the Grand Canyon, or she has told me about that. And when you walk up there, you just think, this is shocking. It produces awe. The Canadian Rockies were like that for me. When you go there and you think, I, it's just, uh, they're not as large as the, the ones in Colorado, or, or the height is not as high, but it's, they're just shocking to see and to grasp. Some in our family like a special meal, like they would love to eat certain foods and they like uh, 
the textures and the smells and all the things like that. And to have a really special meal is really neat to them. For some of you, like a properly executed play, maybe you like sports, and you, say, you, you watch those, and maybe uh, you have you know, highlights in your head that you think about that kind of just, they're just, they're mind-blowing. I mean, you might think that play was almost superhuman. I, I just can't believe it. It's just a shocking thing to see. Maybe you like to put people together and accomplish a goal, and that is something that gives you a lot of delight and and maybe it's just watching all those parts work together we have a lot of things that are inspiring to us if you spent a lot of time out uh you know looking and traveling the world it would amaze you but you could also do that by just going to like some feed of your special thing and you go and look and look and you're like as you're watching these things you're you're amazed by them i can't believe that person could do that I can't believe they could build that. I can't believe that it looks like that. I mean, just whatever it might be. So I think you have to say, like, in these activities under the sun, there are some really powerful things, really amazing things, shocking things. And you see, I mean, whether it's someone running or diving or flying or whatever those things may be, it's almost like you think, how far will humanity go? They just keep chasing after these things. And, and again, I think it's because, as in this passage, God has placed eternity in our hearts. There's a sense of a longing for something that it transcends what you've experienced before. And that's not all bad. I mean, I think it's, it's amazing. You pursue and, and do and accomplish, and what you can do, it, it's really shocking. Um. I was uh, thinking about that this week when you think about when you're thinking about kind of things that like lead you to odds even again like sometimes the people that have the most resources have already seen everything on this earth and so they go to they want to go to space they want to leave this place and to move on to something that maybe they've never seen before that they couldn't uh, get to like in their jet or something like that you know and so I, I, it's just it, it's important I think to stop and say if eternity's placed in our hearts if we desire transcendence it, we're going to be restless until as as we have read we find our rest in the Lord as we, you think about that and understand that it's you, there's a this divine word that we're given reminds us that we cannot find what we are searching for in ourselves or in some accomplishment that we make. And so there's divine enablement to receive it and to understand His divine Word. That's why we go to see and understand what has the Lord said. So the Creator and the Sustainer of all of life who has put eternity in the hearts of humanity, He has spoken through His Word to us that we might understand that He is our Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer and that if we want to find true lasting satisfaction and true lasting meaning and true lasting hope and joy and uh, security and all those things, you're going to find it in Him and in Him alone. And then you can see His gifts and individuals' abilities. You can see those things and you can rejoice in them because you're not putting the pressure of your human existence upon them. 
And so you can rest in that. So today, uh, Gradanus called this section, or the way he would title it, I guess, would be the sovereign God sets the times forever so that people will stand in awe before him. So that we are looking at living in awe as we observe how he has put all things together. And so that's kind of where we are today. You have to have a vision of God. You have to see everything under the sun and and then burst forth beyond that and see him. And so that's what we are looking at today. We found out that wisdom and pleasure and work will not do it. It's not going to rescue us. And so what we need is to see him and then we can rejoice in those things too. We just can't make them ultimate. We can't make them the most important thing. We can't think that they will satisfy or give hope or any of those things. They will not keep us and watch over us. God has put all of this wonderful earth and world together and all the things going on in it for you to stand in awe, for you to live in fear, for you to revere Him. So He sets before us the times that we might stand in awe. And we do. He says, I'll give you a list of all the things, all the times that are kind of before you. There's two times seven. If you look at that, if you think and look at it, you just see there's a pair in each one of these. And you ask the question, what is the gain of all these things? Ultimately, if it does not lead you to awe, there is no gain. But it should guide you there. It's guiding you to to be involved in all of those things and to look back and rejoice in God. And rejoice in the good things that he gives us. And know that what he is doing is perfectly planned and orchestrated and it will stand. So that's kind of where we are today. So we're going to look at his timing as perfect here as we, as we, as we think about it. And you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So you see he's going holistically. The preacher here could have spoken of time negatively, but it's really, this is in a positive light. Maybe you know people that are really negative. They're always coming up with all the problems and all the things that are wrong, and they're just, eh, you know, it's like they're angry about life, you know? In every situation they come to, it's bad, and it's all that stuff. This is not, this is not like the preacher gets old and he gets more grumpy, you know? He certainly gets, he has a clearer head. He is a wise teacher, but at the same time, at the same time, that's not what you're seeing here, I don't think. I think he's helping you look at life and see that God has ordained time. Your time. You say, I'm this old, I've been around. It's like, he has ordained your time. Well, last week, he has ordained your time. He has ordained your time. So he's not just a fatalist. He is somebody that is seeing the positive and negative experiences of time. And he's saying like, this is God's doing. And he's helping you see it. He governs over all of his creatures and all of their actions. He gives a parallel between these opposites that express time. So you can think about it in that way. You think about it holistically. Birth and death. Weeping and laughing. All of human experiences. The whole of 
of the full range of your emotions all found here. It's a comprehensive pair, and there are seven, uh, you know, there, it's seven times two, you multi, multiple uh, ones of these. So I think it's important to see the 14 pairs and see all aspects of time and know that God is the king of time. He's not one-dimensional. He is holistic. There's a time to be born and a time to die. That's clear. We see that on display. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck. We see that in our own yards. You, you, there are times or you pay someone to do that. In an agrarian society, you would plant and you would harvest. That's kind of clear. And so, even the Lord, it was so much a part of their life that the Lord spoke of planting them, then uprooting them. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. You think of the way people say it today, harvesting animals. They're saying, you go out into the woods and you kill an animal during hunting season. Or if you have a farm, you may kill that particular animal. And so there's a time for that, but there's also a time to heal. And you think of a doctor that takes the Hippocratic Oath that he is going to do things to heal, to bring blessing. The Lord tells us that I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. It's holistic in this picture. A time to break down and a time to build up. There are times when we see the Lord do that with nations. He'll raise them up and then tear them down. Or uh, you'll see in the life of a business or a government or anything else, God's plans throughout the world show that He is doing both of those things. And probably on both sides of that, there are people praying. And He's doing His work. A time to weep and a time to laugh. In my family, children get hurt all the time. And there's weeping. And then there's times to laugh. Somebody will sit down at the dinner table and tell a funny story. And you'll be like, everyone will be laughing. Or at holidays, people will come together with stories of old. Of what life was like when we uh, were little. And we'll tell the kids and they'll listen to those. Then other people will put up with listening to the same story. Of their weeping, you know. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Karen and I were just talking a couple of weeks ago about the second anniversary of Joe's passing. It was a time of mourning. The season of mourning. The Lord is using that. He's orchestrating all things. We can trust Him. We don't always understand. But He is the God of time. Our time. I was recently at a wedding, and, you know, I grew up, and they never had dancing at weddings for whatever reason. You know, it wasn't like, this wasn't bad dancing. It was like just fun dancing. And everybody was dancing. And it was like two hours of dancing. And I was just like, the, it, it was so, I wasn't really into it, doing it, like out there dancing, but it was just fun to watch the celebration. It was a glorious time. There's a time for that. 
God ordered it that way. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. This is strange. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, some of the, I mean, some of the scholars um, would talk about it in certain ways, but they did. There are passages where they would go throw stones on an area to keep it from being able to be to work the ground to grow things. Stones also in a dusty environment in a, in a like a real dry arid climate were used to keep things from the runoff you know so you wouldn't lose your topsoil so it may have been something like that a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing you know relationships that are severed and need of restoration and those that are strong and you know how you even minister sometimes through an embrace a time to seek and a time to lose. Thought about my AirPods. They hide from me all the time. And I'll chase after them, accuse everybody in the family of how they've taken them and hidden them from me, you know. And the other day I was just like, I'm just, it's done. I've lost them forever, you know. And a couple of days later I was like, I was in the nursery over there at the church reading in one of those little rockers, I bet that it's waiting for me there. And it was. Anyway, I think there's all these times, right? Times that you say, you know what? That is lost. I wish it were not. And at other times where you say, we still need to run after. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Some of you work really hard to keep your treasures, guns, or I don't know, money, gold, coins, different types of things that you might hold on to in your house so you buy a safe. You say, I'm going to keep these. Or you might have a smaller little box and it's for keepsakes. You're holding on to these special things and there's a time to cast away. If you were on the one of the sailors with Jonah hanging out on the sea when the Lord sent a storm, you would say... I, I'm, I'm down with throwing everything off so that we can, you know, save ourselves. All of these things going on, there's a time for all of them. You see a tear down and to sow and a time to keep silent and a time to speak. All of that is, you're, we could go through every one of these and think about it and consider it. I even think about Jesus' life where, he spoke all the way through his ministry. He was a teacher, the greatest of teachers, the greatest sermons. And yet, there were times when he was silent, like when he was under trial. So there are time for all of these things, and I think you have to see that. You keep going and you say, a time for love and a time to hate. You know, there are things that the Lord hates, Proverbs 6 says. Haughty eyes and lying tongue and hand that, uh, that, that shed innocent blood. He goes through a long list. And there's a time to love. The scripture says love is patient and kind. All, all of those things we see in life. And then it concludes. It's interesting. It began with life and death, but then a time for war and a time for peace. You know, some of us never have never known war. And there are people in the world that had never known that until a country decides they're taking them back. 
it is there is a time for war and a time for peace. There's a time for fighting, and there is a time for um, resting and rejoicing. And wherever you fall in life is really not your choice. It's funny to me. All these I meet people, especially people that have done well, and they'll say, you almost they'll say. Look how well my life is gone. I must have been under God's favor. He's blessed me because I'm so good. You want to say, what if your country was at war? Would your thoughts about life be the same? Well, would God have still been watching out for you, caring for you? Would He still be the God that you served? You you have to stop and think sometimes and say, hold on just a second. His times are flawless. We do not always understand them. They are perfect in every way. And we have to trust Him, like Job, who experienced great blessing and great tragedy in one life. And God was using it in His life. Galatians 4.4, speaking of the perfection of time, says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. It was orchestrated perfectly. God is the King, or the Sovereign, over time, over your life, over where we are. There was a right time for everything, and Jesus demonstrated that throughout His life. He died at the right time. He helped the, the, the needy sinner at the right time. He had dealt with injustice and evil at the right time. He battled against Satan at the right time. He brought peace at the right time. He will return with peace at the right time. Everything orchestrated. The sovereign God sets the times forever so that people will stand in awe before Him First thing is timing is perfect. And the second part, live in awe. So let's look at verse 9 and 10. What gain is the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. What, what is it saying? Well, sometimes you might say, are we just running in circles? Isn't everything canceling out the other? And you might say that and see that and wonder about that because you stay so busy, we run so hard. It feels like, in a way, these two things are like a football team going back and forth, play by play. Right? But if you can see that the Lord is the head of it all, it changes everything. He says in verse 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. God's plans and purposes, beautiful in its time. The weaving of a tapestry that is filled with dark and bright threads is God's way. You say, that's a beautiful day. That was exciting. That was a dark day. And it was a time of mourning. And he's weaving along all of these things as a master would that is making a masterpiece. And that is going to be true of your life, and it's going to be true of your family, and it's going to be true of this church, and it's going to be true of a nation and a generation. 
make the list, and you would say he is weaving together time and different types of time and different things in time. And he's making all things beautiful because he is the one who designed the beginning from the end. He is the maker of time. He has a plan for it. There is a grand narrative above all of it, creation, fall, redemption, renewal. All of his work is executed flawlessly. And not only that, he's kind of made you think about it. That's the other thing. He has put eternity in man's heart. He's made you think about those things. C.S. Lewis said, If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You're crying out to understand. You don't fully grasp it. You're looking at it, you're like, I don't know. I mean, what's all going on? And yet you can trust that the Lord has put that in your heart. Why? So that you would keep chasing after the wind? No. So that you could chase after him. Verse 12 and 13. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. What's he saying? You may not understand all the eternal things. Honestly, you will not. There are things that so transcend your understanding that he looked at Job, if you remember, God did, and he said, Job, you don't understand where the animals come from. How are you going to understand the things you're asking? And Job put his hand over his mouth and got quiet. Right? Because he realized there was a wisdom beyond what he could understand. And so he could trust a sovereign God. Sometimes you have to say, he is God, I'm not. He's the Lord of time, and I can trust him. But today he gave me a good day. And today, going to have a really nice meal. And today, like, everything worked so that the grill was working and the food was cooked right, and it tasted so wonderful. Today I went out fishing and I caught fish. I mean, imagine that. And they were just right. And I was able to come home and fillet them and fry them up in that grease. And, whew, you know, love crappie. Fried up with some French fries. And with Duke, he likes to throw onions in there with those fries. That adds just a little, I'll give him that. It's a little thing. It's just just right. And there are moments like that in life. They're not all like that. If you're going to think that they're all like that, you're going to be sorely mistaken because God is working all things out. He has plans, and he is working in your life and in mine. And he's working out plans in history. And again, we don't always understand it. And there is a longing for eternity where things would be right, but we're not there yet. And not every day is going to be as we would have it to be. So on the days that it is good and enjoyable, and even when you can rejoice even in suffering, there is great pleasure in knowing God's presence there. 
So verse 14 and 15 says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which will be has already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. What, what is he saying here? He's saying everything. God has put it all together. He has set his decrees. We can trust him. He has said it. He's ordered his universe. We can rest in him. We don't fully understand it all. We don't always grasp what he's doing. But we can live in awe of him in great tragedy and triumph. You, you get that? The cross was a tragedy and a triumph. And it should leave you in awe. Life has a lot of those kinds of things. But primarily at the center of it all is that you would say he is Lord. He made it. He created it and sustained it. And he is redeeming it. And for you who are here today lost in your trespasses and sins, you're dead to the things of God. You're searching for everything that will satisfy. You're looking for these things to do it. It will not do it. They're, they're in you. The desire for things to be right is in you because it is driving you to the only one who can make them right. It's driving you to the Lord Jesus who came, He lived, who died, who rose again so that we might be rescued from our sins and be able to look forward in hope for, to a restored universe where everything works out in a way that is good and pleasing and where God is glorified and honored. And so as we wait, we live and say, when I get a taste of glory, of wonder, when I see him as I ought to, when I can grasp him in that moment, capture that. When I can delight in something he has done or made or whatever, like rejoice in that. Even in the things where you say, you know, that was a great tragedy in the moment, but God was orchestrating it. And he used it in my life, the life of my family, in the life of this church. Just stand in awe. Be still. Be silent. Listen to his word and stop and consider. He is God. There is no other. He is a God who saves. And there is no other Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for wisdom to treasure, to treasure you, to treasure the work that you've done, to treasure your plan for the ages, to treasure your son. We ask for that, Lord, that we would see everything in your perfect timing and rest in that, live in awe of that revere you because of that submit to you we ask all those things to be true of us in christ's name amen